This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where, sadly, yes... You weren't dreaming. The Seahawks season has ended. But that does bring with it promising stuff like a review of the offense, a review mm. of the defense using data and tape with Griffin and Ty and myself, Matty Brown. It will also bring the excitement of the offseason, the whole of draft picks that Seattle has and all of that. But now, Pete Carroll, he delivered a press conference, Ty, and we have a lot of end-of-season news to deal with mm. but before that mm. the seahawks have signed a free agent or re-signed should i say what kicker jason myers returns to seattle with a big big contract his second deal with the team it will see him through to seattle uh, through the 2026 season the contract is worth $21.1 million, including incentives that could bring its max value to $22.6 million. It makes the 31-year-old Myers the NFL's second highest paid kicker in the NFL behind Baltimore's Justin Tucker. Myers made 34 of his 37 field goal attempts in the 2022 season, including all six of his drives from at least 50 yards. And he was obviously named the NFC's Pro Bowl kicker and was named in the AP All-Pro team. Uh, not the AP All-Pro team, the Players All-Pro the team. The Players, sorry. yeah, yeah. Uh, the NFL Player Association. Uh, Who was the AP uh, All-Pro kicker? Was it Tucker? It's probably Tucker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Myers also went 41-42 of 42 on PAT attempts during the regular season, and he made that 56-yard field goal when the Seahawks, um, you know, Went up a, a leading the 49ers at halftime of that game, which must not yeah. be mentioned, but we will talk about it briefly. Um, he also had the shaky moment against the Rams, but bounced back to win in overtime. Ty, kind of a no-brainer move, quite expensive, but then he's kind of earned it. Yeah, I I think first takeaway from this is I think Pete and company are a little traumatized from the couple of years that they had to go through, you know, Blair Walsh and uh, Sebastian Janikowski after, you know, how she departed. Um, mm. And they want to keep their guy, right? They, they want someone that they can depend on or they feel that they can depend on. And obviously, you know, there was really no kicker more efficient than Myers this, uh, this past season. And I mean, he's been pretty good for the majority of his contract here. So, um, 
yeah you know he he earned it uh it's pretty expensive as far as kickers go of course but also with inflation um just around the league you know we know that the salary cap is going on is, is going up each year um so it's not i mean like he's making what a million dollars more per year than he was on his last contract i think was he making four a year so it's not really that significant of an uptick um considering that he put up a, a you know pretty much an all pro season uh, as a kicker so uh it's fine you know it's not great you know uh, i just I, i'm not a huge fan of paying kickers five million dollars a year but uh it's fine and they have the cap space to make it work so i'm not complaining too much and uh you know they got one of the best kickers in in the game so yeah i i don't know when like a, a kicker's leg when does a kicker's leg fall off what's the analysis on that i'm it's, sure they have it's a so, easy out it's so yeah i would assume that I would assume that the the Seahawks do have a pretty like easy out after maybe year two on the deal. Yeah. Maybe even we'll after have to the, wait to this see upcoming that. year. Yeah, but um, in terms of just like when when the kickers kind of fall off a cliff, who knows, right? Because there's like a lot of kickers that go into their forties and they're still pretty efficient, and then there's kickers that like they're efficient for one year and they, you know, then they fall off a cliff. They're kind of like relievers in baseball. They're just so finicky, and it's really hard to nail them down year by year. Yeah. For comparison's sake, Tucker's 33, turns 34 next November. Mm-hmm. Uh, Myers' deal four years long. So, yeah. I mean, I we can't really do much more kicker analysis, although Pete Carroll in his end of season press conference, he said that, you know, Myers had a terrific year that he wanted to be in seattle and that seattle wanted him there so they have to figure it out somehow and they have done so pete a man of his word seattle's got it done kicker talk yay yeah kicker talk baby let's go amazing right that's the kicker talk done i'm sure seattle will sign more free agents than that and we can talk about all those exciting things what if they signed another kicker always compete Oh my word! Big, big kicker off. Mm. No, well that would that would be remarkable. They might do a camp leg. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, we but just my... gave you this contract, but you know, keep looking over your shoulder, pal. Yeah, that's like the worst thing you can do with the kickers, isn't it? The fragile <laughs> ecosystem of kicker. <laughs> um. Okay. So injury wise, Ty. Uh huh. Pete was obviously asked about a lot of the injured players on, on the Seahawks. The biggest news, obviously, is uh, well, the biggest injury really is Jamal Adams, and he was asked mm. about his rehab. It was cool, actually. I saw in the photos that this website publishes with Rodmar, brilliant photographer, the team photographer. Jamal Adams made the trip down to the 49ers game, which was mm. very cool. It was with the team. Adams is using a, a treadmill, but it sounds like that's going to be it's going to take him a while, Pete said. So it sounds like that could go through the off season and be a thing. Like he tore the quadricep from his knee. Right. So. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. It's honestly like the, the vibe that I got from Pete during this press conference was that he's more optimistic about Jordan Brooks getting back for the start of the season than Jamal. Yeah. Because 
Jordan Brooks is like a regular, regular, um, <laughs> seems like ACL injury. Yeah. They haven't actually operated, and that was going to be today, the 19th. So it could could be that, you know, they find something else. Hopefully not, right? But mm. Brooks is healthy. It's not like a weird injury like that, like Adams is one. It's should be re- fairly routine as far as injuries go. But yeah, the fact that Jamal, you know, injured week one and is still not, you know, shows how difficult this is. Like, he looks like he's having to learn to walk again from the stuff he posts on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, then the other one that's like really weird is is Disley, like his foot injury. Like Pete reiterated that they haven't seen anything like his injury before, so they're letting him just kind of heal it and see if it heals on its own, and if yeah. not, they'll determine if he needs surgery. Like this is one we don't know. Like, yeah that's concerning yeah uh so like what, what is he it. what does he mean by that like just like just no one knows what it is like they like i because i can't imagine that they've only talked amongst themselves about this like they've had to reach out to you know outside sources here like, well you know what i did find reassuring was pete did say the the doctors said that it would be a couple of months or two to three months of rehab to see if it just heals up potentially mm-hmm. without needing surgery, which you know suggests Disney will be back for the bulk of the off season work. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that if they're that concerned, but it is a bit weird that they don't really they don't necessarily the, know. It's like on the top of his foot, right? That's what they said. Yeah. Yeah, that's it weird. sounds really weird, and the fact he played through it and then. Like, and we thought it was a knee thing to start with. Right. Was, yeah. Uh, and then it got he got too painful to play through. I mean, these players, mm-hmm. just it's remarkable, the stuff they yeah, put themselves yeah. through. Yeah. Uh, then Brian Monet sounds like a real concern. So, obviously, he tore his ACL, we believe, mm-hmm. suffered, carted off with a knee injury late in the season. Uh or maybe midway through the season. I can't quite remember. When was that? Was it the Panthers game? Panthers, maybe. Or Raiders? No. No, I think they had him for the Raiders. Yeah, Panthers. Anyway, sounds like they found... Pete said there was more stuff going on than we thought. He had some old stuff in there, probably, that was a part of that. He's going to have a good battle here to get back. I don't know what the time frame is. It's going to take a while. So that sounds... I mean, that sounds like a next season thing too, or yeah. potentially worse. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. Um, poor old Brian. At least he got a bit paid. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Then, and that would leave a somewhat of a need at nose tackle. It might influence their decision with Puna Ford, who obviously can play the nose. Uh, it has interesting ramifications for the roster. Um, now, Alton Robinson who we haven't heard from in a while. Sounds like his knee injury is really bad and uh, was really bad and he just hasn't managed to get it going. And so that sounds like it could be threatening his his career, sadly. Mm -hmm. There's complications with it, Pete said. He's not still full speed running, which again, that's crazy that he's still not full speed running given that happened like in the preseason, right? Like yeah. it's it brings it into focus how difficult uh, some of these injuries can be on players, 
And then Ben Beckhoven is a similar one where Pete described it as being an experimental mode. He's got nerve damage, so he's really pushing to try and get back. He's been working hard, but uh, Pete described that really as kind of, yeah, experimental and the, the sort of delving into new science, I think, because it's so rare what he's going through. So sympathy for him as well, because he was having a great preseason and then obviously hurt, got hurt. And then the final one is uh, Tyreek Smith, who kind of was a rookie red shirt. And Pete said, yeah, he'll be fully recovered. So that's a positive thing to end on after all that that misery. We didn't get questions about Marquise Goodwin. Uh, oh, we, and we got questions about D. Eskridge, but he'd already kind of made his way back. So Right. Yeah. Was he active on Sunday? Can't remember. It's a, it's a great question. I'm not so sure. I don't remember seeing him, but yeah. yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's... At least there's, like, some positive news on Brooks. We'll see about Jamal. Um, yeah, um, that's a real shame about Brian Monet, though. So, hopefully he's able to get back on course here, but, yeah. All right. Um, well, I wasn't here on Sunday because I was celebrating my wife's birthday. Um, I did watch the game, however. Maddie. Oh dear. Yeah. I I did carve out time. Oh I I we we planned to go to the art gallery. We ended up going a little bit later than we wanted to, so we kind of rushed through the art gallery. Mm. Uh, nice. So I could nice. get back in time for the game. Uh so got back to the hotel after being at the art gallery for like I don't know, hour and a half or so. Got right, got back literally right at kickoff. Turned the TV on and they were kicking the ball off. It was great timing, perfect. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think the first thing that I'll say here is that I was very disappointed to see that uh, Pete Carroll did not uh, heed by the words of the uh, definitive Pete Carroll fit tracker. Um, I mean, yeah. he did for the first half. He did for the first half, raincoat, navy raincoat. It was working great. And, you know, lo and behold, they get to halftime up 17 to 16. I'm like, there we go. See? Navy raincoat, baby. And then it stops raining. And they come out for the second half. And what is Pete Carroll wearing, folks? A gray hoodie. A gray hoodie, which he is, or, well, before Sunday, was one in five in. Yeah, we brought this up on the pod, Ty, because it was a real big concern. Exactly. And lo and behold, he bottled it. After wearing a hat in his press conference, as though he knew. Right. As soon as I saw the gray hoodie, it was over. I knew it was over at that point. It was was Gene over. So... Yeah, and I, you bet your bottom dollar that I put that as a uh, gray hoodie game in the tracker. So now he's one in six in gray hoodies. Very sad. When Very sad. will Pete Carroll be held accountable for his outfit choices? Exactly. Exactly. As this is what coach, I demand. He has a responsibility. Listen, Seattle sports media, get your act together. Hold him, hold his feet to the fire. Yes. Burn all the gray hoodies. Burn all yep. the gray hoodies. All right. So the game itself. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, we, look, we talked about the, the, 
major talent gap between these two teams and the fact that one team, the 49ers, were so incredibly healthy in comparison to the Seahawks. Yeah, especially at this stage, right? Like, yeah. they, they had their injuries, but now they're back to full health. Right. Uh, aside from the quarterback thing that Purdy's playing. Meanwhile, the Seahawks are kind of going in the other direction, right? So this was... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply kind of expected um but man did they play a great game for the first like two and a half quarters overall really like you couldn't like look they had obviously some big issues they had some of the you know the big run bus and all that but overall i don't think you could have asked for a much better first half can all things considered going into the situation but then, you know, a couple penalties happen here, a couple, you know, missed opportunity here, turnover in the red zone. And all of a sudden, you know, the 49ers do what the 49ers do because they're just that good. You had to play perfect. You had to play perfect on Sunday. And you almost did. And you almost did. But, you know, it's just at the end of the day, I think we just, you know, we saw what the differences are between these two teams and that, you know, the Seahawks are well on their way up. But, uh, you know, they're just not there yet. And the injury luck just didn't swing their way this year either. So those things, in, in, you know, just combined just led to what happened on Sunday. And that that sucks. But, man, you know, exiting that game, I'm so hopeful for the future of this team and what they can do. And obviously, who knows what that's all going to look like. And we're going to spend the whole offseason. We're going to spend some of the show talking about what that could possibly look like. Um, but just you know let your imagination run wild for a second if you're a Seahawks fan there's a lot of possibility here there's a lot of optimism to be had here about where this team is right now with all the with all the assets that they have at their disposal and you know when guys do eventually get healthy so yeah I'm I you know I was really just pleased overall with this team getting into the playoffs in general everything after that for me was gravy and I thought that, you know, they did, obviously they lost by like, what was it, 41-23? So they lost by 18. But they didn't necessarily get sunned until mm. that fourth quarter. Yeah, the, it was just the fourth quarter. Yeah, so, but for the most part, they didn't get sunned. They didn't really get embarrassed. I thought they played a pretty good game. And, and for that, you know, I, I feel I feel overall fairly good about it. Yeah. So we had a question on the game from Amy Holmes, who also kindly donated $10, which is very much appreciated. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Uh, if you want to donate, there's no pressure, but if you want to, there's a super chat function on, on YouTube, which is super simple. In the description, there's a Stripe payment link, which goes to, to all of us, uh, even though it says my Substack, And we split everything a third, a third, a third between the, the three of us. And yeah, but like we say, or the, the free thing you can do, which you must do, is like, subscribe, comment. And if you're listening, 
five star review, download the show, and tell a friend about it. Thank you very much. Right. So, thank you, guys. Amy asked, How much of a factor do you think the Rams officiating complaints for calls that went up against us all year but went our way for one game played on the officials and their ticky tacky calls on us? Now, this is sort of uh, an interesting question because mm. at first, you know, you're like, well, maybe not. But then, like, I didn't realize, but I, I saw it the uh, the other, I saw it like the day after the game because I sort of switched off from everything. Mm. Maybe even on the Monday, but Adam Schefter wrote an article. Yeah. On, which was really yeah. odd. Yeah. So that's like, that was kind of a real thing then. And so that leads you to believe potentially because I mean Schefter is the guy, right? <laughs> and that is I mean let's just put two and two together here that is most likely coming from the NFL itself. I mean <laughs> you start to you start to think here a little bit like Amy is asking that maybe it did impact some of those calls. Now the question that I want to ask you because I'm a filthy casual here. I, I I don't understand on a pass play why Damian Lewis is going upfield in general. Why would he be doing that on a pass play? Because uh, Gina had a, a draw option. Draw option. Okay. Ah, gotcha. So gotcha. It, was, it wasn't a run-pass option. It was a pass-run option. Gotcha. So... If G- it was stick draw, so if Dino didn't like the stick throw which he threw to Tyler, he could have run out the middle. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, by the way, like the first one ain't it isn't the right call, right? Especially in the time that it takes. Like the officials really suddenly looking to throw that in a. It's just like freaky. It's kind of freaky coincidence, but then you don't know how much outside factors play on the minds of people. I mean, in mm-hmm. Pete's words, uh, I'm not going to say it was the wrong call. I would, by the way, but he said, I'm not going to say it was a wrong call, but you had to push to call it. In that time of the game, there was like nothing being called. There were no penalties being called in that game. Because uh, Damien at that point too, right, is like, because he can get one yard upfield, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was like one and a half, maybe, at the time the ball was released. And it had zero impact on the play. Like yeah. I, it's it was very very, it was well. Pete said that he thought they had a two yard uh, uh, two threshold. Yards? The the rule is one yard, but Pete said oh, okay. that they've been told two yards. Um, mm. I I don't know. It was bizarre, especially because the ball was out so fast. Like it wasn't um, that it just it just didn't impact the play. I I don't understand. That one was bad. Now. Once yeah. they called it once, then they start looking for it. The second one was a bit closer. You could probably call it. The third one was like, was right. I so like, I don't think it's some conspiracy. The Schefter thing is slightly weird though. Um, I don't think it impacted the outcome of the game. And I think really for the offense, they need to learn how to overcome adversity better. Mm-hmm. In moments, there was there's multiple times this season that they've sort of dipped down after like a bad penalty or had low periods after some penalties rather than sort of responding, staying even. Well, and like Pete said, you know, it's, it's a five yard penalty at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You should be able to overcome that. I think it, what it made it second in 14. Right. Um, you can overcome that. And at the very least you should be able to get a field goal out of that. So, you know, turning the ball over there, just 
killed everything. I mean, that was that was the game right there. Um, but yeah, so that's you know that's something that the offense has to get better at uh, in the future. Um, and you know, I think part of that too, right? You know, they're trying to work their way downfield, and they don't really have guys that can organically get open. You know, we've talked mm. about this for the last few weeks, and so that's kind of a part of the problem too, is that they're not able to consistently work the ball down the field. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter, uh, the, the last few days about, you know, what the Seahawks need this off season. And I, 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 there's been a lot of conversation about that third wide receiver. And I think that's really something, you know, we've talked about it kind of uh, a little bit here and there over the last couple of years. I know I've talked about it a lot when, you know, I was still writing over at all Seahawks. Um, but I think this is something that they really need to get serious about adding is a legitimate third option uh, to, to pair with, with DK and Tyler here. Because it's, I mean, you're saying it, you know, it's it's an issue. Guys aren't getting open right now. It's just not happening. So Yeah, like in the main, and as we sort of transition towards the, the sort of temptation of a rookie quarterback contract and, you know, or maybe you know, what if you didn't pay Gino and all oh, these quarterbacks are promising and you'd have mm. twenty million ish dollars extra to spend. With all that, with all that kind of talk, you sort of have to remember that like Gino's process and level of play, though his production dipped, Gino didn't dip that much. The main issues were around him, the supporting cast. You can go, okay, well, he didn't elevate uh, the supporting cast. I disagree with that. I actually think he did still. It's just it was that bad around him. And Mm -hmm. there's a real argument for that kind of wide receiver three deal, especially with, like, you know, the injuries to Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf playing banged up at times. But Lockett in particular, who's, you know, turning 30, you know, you take for granted – until he's out, how durable he's been, how the pair of Lockett and Metcalf have just been so reliably productive over the years. Being proactive at the position, I think, is something they need to do. Yeah, they drafted D. Eskridge in the second round, and oh, guess what? They missed out on Creed Humphrey. That did happen. But Eskridge, the mm-hmm. pick made sense based on, you know, what they what they needed. You know, you thought that could be the kind of fly-sweet guy for Shane Waldron. Hasn't mm-hmm. panned out largely through to injury. Uh, but you know, if they could actually get a legitimate wide receiver three, who then, you know, if Lockett does miss time, you can put him in and is sort of planning for the future as well. That would be huge. And and for Gino, especially the way he likes to target like intermediate routes and the way DK is somewhat limited as a route runner, well, his route tree is, um, he's good at the routes he can run, but um, he's not going to be that kind of in between Lockett and DK type, he is DK. He's an outside guy. Uh, yeah. Even though he can play in the slot, it's a largely vertical retreat. It's mm-hmm. not digs. It's not crosses. Yeah. So yeah, much. they they need a they need a digs guy. Like they they need someone that can do that for them. Um, because Gino loves it too. Gino loves that stuff, and he's shown a willingness to throw that and throw it in tight windows. Like he's all about it. It's just he doesn't really have a guy that can consistently do it right now. So. Right, that would be that would be huge. Um, so a, and and I would spend like uh, not the not uh, number five, obviously mm. in the draft, but anything beyond five, I'm down for a wide receiver. Yeah, 
I I watched four catches of yep. Jackson Smith in Jigba and uh mm. they were interesting. His mainly from the slot, that could be an interesting idea. Obviously mm. the second round for receivers in recent years has been pretty profitable. But then so is the first round now, if you look at like a Jamar Chase and stuff like that. So Justin Jefferson, yeah. Justin Jefferson, yeah. And Jefferson is interesting because I saw elements of I ha, I don't I dislike comps, but in Jigba, the four catches I watched that you can kind of envision a similar Jefferson style role. Obviously, you need to watch more of him. We will get into all of that. But the main thing that came out of this Pete Howell press conference was on the defensive stuff. We will talk about that. With uh, I think it's best to let Griff join in on that as well. But in mm-hmm. terms of the offense, we are. A, sort of a crossroads where like as i just said there's that kind of temptation to see what the future is without you know without gino i think some people because of the dip in production which is understandable they're like okay well maybe Gino ain't the guy to be giving this money to i don't actually think he'll get paid as much as people think but you know it could happen uh but i think we need to sort of stop being so conspiracy theory like about (laughs) Pete Carroll's comments, like, you know, if he keeps telling you something, there is no real reason for him to do that um, to to the degree that he has done. Like, he has been... Yes, there have been instances in the past where Pete said one thing and another thing's happened. But this was, like, on a whole different level. Like, after the game, as we said, he was saying that, you know, Gino's for real, he's the real deal, he can do all of the things that a terrific quarterback does, mentioned his movement, his leadership, his poise uh mentioned how great a story it was and how he's had an unbelievably great season then in his uh end of season presser he reiterated we have our guy we need to hopefully work things out so he is with us there is business to be done there of course but there is no lid on what we can do the sky is the limit yeah really as we look to the future he is a big part of why we are looking to to the future so promisingly but you don't say it to yeah. that level if you're not if he's not your guy. And the fact that I'm having to say that is a bit bizarre, but the, I've just seen, particularly on the the app that is Twitter, certain discussions which are kind of crazy to me. Um, I told you that was going to happen. I said this on the show last week. Now, I said it with the preface that it was going to be if the offense had a bad game, and the offense didn't necessarily have a bad game. But, uh, yeah. I know. thought they had a great game. The, the problem is that fumble. Yeah. That third and twelve fumble is kind of uh and it's and, burned you know, in the brains of people. I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah, it but still the, but you had to play a absolutely precise game against the Fortniteers, and yeah, really the defense wasn't doing anything for you. The defense collapsed, absolutely yep. collapsed. That wasn't yep. on the offense. Um yep. so I think also what doesn't help is Pete's last answer, like which was related to the offense, was last two answers. He was asked about how Geno Smith's uh, 2022 season changed their NFL draft approach for the team like as it relates to quarterback. And he said, if we didn't have a quarterback that functioned really well, it might have been a little bit different. The quarterbacks in this draft are extraordinary players. You don't get opportunities like this. We're really tuned into all of those options. So maybe they did you know, have a, f- you know, a few guys in mind. Maybe they did like this class. But then also it's in Pete's interest to say this because 
They're at number five. If there's a quarterback mm-hmm. needy team and there's a sure. guy who's fallen and the quarterbacks do go one, two, three, because it could happen. Um, mm. You know how it happens in, in times. And last year wasn't a very quarterback high draft, but this year it feels like there's enough guys to push up as, as it happens. So guys want to get their dude. Whereas none of the teams seem that uh, into Ridder or Willis um, and Pittsburgh, mm. it turned out went to pick it, but late. But like there wasn't mm. enough of a, a desperation to then push everyone up a bit more as, as happens. Uh, but yeah, I don't necessarily think that's an. Oh, we're, we're definitely going to see like John Schneider at like Will Levis's pro day and everyone's yes. going to lose their mind. <laughs> like, yes. well, yeah, we've got a lot of fun to look forward to, I guess. But, um, and then, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying this because I don't think Seattle should pass up a quarterback. Like, um, and I'm sure they might try it in round three, you know, like they, they have done in the past. If there's a guy where Schneider's like, I've graded him as high as I had Mahomes, then I think you have to consider it. Mm. Uh, also, you know, Gino is 32 years old. Uh, there's a discussion to be had on that as well. You know, could you have a rookie for three years? Does that even work? Seattle's quarterback factory. Drew Locke, they're still supposedly high on. You know, he has tools. He's crazy athletic. He's got um, a hose. He has a hose. He does. Hose mm. confirmed. That mm-hmm. was never his issue, the natural traits. It was always uh, the kind of quarterbacking at an NFL level in the intangible side. And correct me mm. if I'm wrong, I believe Schneider last year around the time that they traded Russ said, you know, one of his biggest regrets is that they didn't draft quarterback. Yeah, so. but then, you know, at a certain point, it's just lip service. Like, just draft a quarterback, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's well, so that's, like that's going to be year, the interesting like, thing, take, right? Take, is like. Take, Take Ridder, Dave, round four. Like, right. Take, take Ridder. He was baby Gino. We were saying it. So you know, like, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they approach that this year. If they do take a quarterback, is it just going to be a seventh round Alex Magoo type of flyer, or is it going to be, you know, is it going to be like a a day two guy, day three, you know, us, early day three? It will tell us a lot about. One, obviously, how they feel about the, the, the day two, three quarterbacks, right? But also how highly they rate Locke, because right. if they're, you know. Um, what is Locke even going to get, considering well, that and, he didn't and obviously, play this year? Yeah, obviously, there's the discussion they'll have to have with Locke of, you know, do you want to try and be a start somewhere, or do you want to sign here? And what's your outlook? Like, you know, what do you want for your career? Do you have it in you to settle down for a few years? And... Mm-hmm. Just remain patient in the system. I mean, if they manage to re-sign him on the cheap, then there's a potential for if he starts getting it all together in the preseason, in the preseason games, then you you flip him. You know, you yeah. you, you you trade him. You do a whatever team does that. Packers sometimes, right? Sure. Yeah. Brett Hundley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sixth round pick for Brett Brett Hundley. Yep. Uh. So. And then I guess the other thing is the last question Pete answered in his end of season press conference was uh, he answered one about the financial investment on the quarterback and how that makes it more difficult to improvements over the roster. And he acknowledged that. Um, mm-hmm. it's, and he said it's a part of the business. But like, really... The interesting thing, though, that he did say there was Gino does want a good team around him. So does that mean that he knows that Gino is willing to take maybe a little less to stay? Yeah. Well, when we spoke about it on Sunday, like 
Oh, Saturday. In the post-game press conference, Gino spoke about loyalty and like, okay, you're trying to right. be a, you're trying to have some good PR. Seattle's been very loyal world, to him in general. With that, yeah, that's what he emphasized, and he was saying yeah. about how, you know, he'd he'd want to do right by them. So I, I that is probably been a good times. soldier, right? Four times. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's partly been a good soldier and like good good PR, good media sure. stuff. But really, you don't ha- again, you don't have to say that. Like there, it suggests you know he's not going to be he's not going to drive as hard a bargain as he could. I, I don't think. Now there's still a price that the market will dictate. Uh, and a baseline so we'll see but on a similar level like as i wrote in my article on this a while ago now uh seahawks on tape substack but like the team will have ways of protecting against the fact that this is one year production the team will have ways of protecting the over the fact that gino is 32 years old maybe they add a few more incentives in maybe Mm. they Maybe they find a way to lower the guarantee slightly. Maybe that's a justification for not giving out a five-year deal, but a medium or even shorter-term deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's options in there. There's lots of different mechanics that I'm not smart enough to understand, but I'm sure will be involved in the contract for both sides as protection and also reward. So I really wouldn't get too caught up in it. That I think it's the right decision to make. And it's weird we're having the discussion. It's only going to warm up, I think. But as guys will watch the quarterbacks, and maybe I'll watch the quarterback and be like, wow, that, this guy is really special. Like, maybe, you know, maybe we should think about this. But that mm. that doesn't preclude you from rewarding Gino for what overall was your very good season of quarterbacking. And yes, I've acknowledged the production dips, but the process was pretty much consistent. And the other factor here, which, you know, Pete Carroll's mentioned, but like, he is a, not only has his on-field play been pretty, pretty positively graded throughout the season, uh, even with the lower production, not only that, but he's a massive presence in the locker room. One, he's one of the few veterans. Two, he's been through so much in the league that it becomes an inspiration to his teammates and it becomes a real teaching moment for his uh, younger teammates as well and they all rallied around him they they all sort of backed him in the off season that guys who are noteworthy like dk metcalf tyler lockett metcalf in particular was so outspoken about how gino was going to prove people wrong and mm. now on a young team he's one of the few vets the way he managed to galvanize them and become a really respected leader the way he led the team and was basically the main locker room spokesman especially for the offense. That's a hard sell on on a locker room where you've Pete spoke about at the end of the season, how they find the right culture and the right blend and the right balance, and they just need to add to it with the few additions that happen. Mm-hmm. You can't then, moving on doesn't make sense from an yeah. on-field or off-field perspective. It, it would be very, very difficult to sort of recapture what you had without the main piece. It really does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, and we've said this before, more so at the start of the season, just kind of talking about, you know, like, remember when there was the whole conversation about, well, why start Gino when you have Drew Locke? You know, he this season is lost anyways. You know, you could actually have something for the future with Drew Locke. Well, the argument with that is Gino, yeah, Gino's 32, but Gino hasn't really played. So his body's in a lot better shape than most 32-year-old quarterbacks. Like, he's 
just in a much better place in general. He could very well play another 10 years in the league. Easy, considering the fact that he just he hasn't taken those shots, right? He's only played in the preseason before, you know, subbing in for Russ for those few games last year. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, know. I think the Seahawks, they probably knew that Gino had this in him talent wise and within their system, they knew they could probably get stuff like this out of him. But I think the big thing is that kind of poise to remain calm and, you know, um, despite that lack of experience, despite the lack of, um, you know, miles on his arm, you know, the, the, that kind of poise to remain calm and handle the situations in the main with moments of his relative inexperience, despite his age showing up at, at times. And mm. you'd hope that next, you know, next year he's been there. He's done that as he tweeted out himself. Yeah. He actually has, he has actual game reps now in the NFL in the regular season to learn from, not just preseason against weaker strings, not just camp uh, reps against the lower strings. He actually has real, like, real-time reps to learn from. So, And, I mean, before Sunday, I, I remember being like, you know, the Munich game, that might have been the biggest game of Gino's career. <laughs> you know, like, that's – and that shouldn't be, right? Like, for, for especially for quarterbacks his age. You know, and he just played in his first playoff game, and he played pretty well, like, especially really well in that first half. Like, he I, – I think there's another level that he can get to here. I think we're yeah. just kind of starting to see, you know, the the beginning of that. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the, uh, Gino's future in general. I think the Seahawks are really in, excited about his future, and it's just it's a no brainer to me to uh, lock him up here for the you know next three years at least. Yeah, because like the 49ers defense ain't no joke. Like it's not. It's what not. are we doing here? Like I I don't know. Um, yeah, and I, I love how Pete said, I just couldn't be more tickled by the way the whole thing turned out. <laughs> and how he handled it. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Um, Very cool. So yeah, this isn't the podcast to come to if you are wanting not page Eno stuff. Um, the, the, the 20 and by the way, that, thing... that stuff, and by the way, that stuff is pointless. They're re-signing mm. Gino. They're re- they're re-signing Gino. Yeah, this is they, a waste if, of time doing if this. If they if they didn't, I would really. I mean, one, they, it's also bad because it it massively telegraphs their position in the draft. If they're not to do that, they'd have to basically trade up for one, uh, or they're risking a lot. It, they're in a very interesting. I guess if they didn't want to, they'd tag him and then try and trade him for something. I don't actually know how much you'd get because if you're the team who's rebuilt him. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to trade him immediately. What does that signal? Okay, you can market it as we're not quite in the right time frames, but that, yeah, that I, I'm not sure what you'd get. I, I think you'd, the most you'd probably get is a, a second-round pick, which sounds ridiculous, but also yeah, uh, you the, have to, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, I mean, what that would say to me is either they think Drew Locke is that guy, you know, or because they're not going to get a they're not going to get one of the three best quarterbacks at number five. I don't think like, no, that it, it depends. It depends how crazy the hype gets. Yeah. Which uh, it, it and might. how bad the bears are like, Oh my word. I love Will Anderson. And we need defense and right. our head coach's defense or something yeah. along those lines. Right. I, I mean, so it's either like they really like drew lock or 
they want Lamar, you know, and that's like a whole other thing. And that's just a waste of time. They're yeah. re-signing Gino in this story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause uh, the other thing as well is there's that the argument that, you know, they're not going to have much cap space when they re-sign Gino. And aside from the fact that, you know, I do actually think they'll, they'll find a way to structure it in a slightly better way. Okay. Yeah. We'll take a lot of your effective cap space off the books. Uh, okay, yeah, you don't have, I think they've currently got 36, or it'll be 37 now of Myers, I think. 37 guys on the roster next year, which that's not enough at all. Um, it's no. going to be tight up against the cap. They will find now keep in mind that only work. the top 53 count towards the cap. The rest, like filling out the 90, doesn't count towards that stuff. Just have there to you go, big brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, they'll, they'll find ways to make that work. Uh, it's also big that they've hit on this past draft class. So that's all Ricky contracts and key positions, like mm-hmm. two offensive tackles, Tariq Woolen at right corner. Like yeah. the, if they can they have, have another premium positions locked up, like on Ricky yeah. deals, like, yeah, it's, it's what we knew, like this draft class coming up, is going to be huge, but Gino not resigning him just to get $20 million to then splurge on what you're not really going to get your blockbuster defensive <laughs> Uh, guy for that and you know what you want three kind of depth pieces for that that is not worth the level of quarterback play that we saw this season and we have no reason to think can't continue so it's a kind of a nonsense discussion but i guess we're in the kind of you could call it fun roster building uh process of the of the season so good good for people having that the last thing that i'll add on that is just you know yeah, they would be paying a quarterback, but again, they have all these premium, the all these other premium positions on rookie deals. So you're kind of balancing it out that way. So while you are paying the quarterback, you're not really restricted in ways that maybe another team with a with a rookie quarterback contract are. So you know, I they still have quite a lot of flexibility. They're going to be able to do some stuff this offseason, even after signing Gino. I think they're going to be fairly active in free agency and make at least one, maybe even two, like legitimate, you know, noteworthy moves on the free agent market. I think this is a, this is a year. I don't think that they're going to get to a totally unhinged place like where they, you know, trade two first round picks for a player or anything like that but i think this is a year where we do see them go out into the trade market and inquire someone maybe for like a you know a third or a fourth something like that um try and get involved in stuff like that so uh yeah you know I, they have again they have so many assets at their disposal it's really exciting They're, the possibilities here are truly endless when you have two or when you have four top what is it 52 picks i think and uh and you have you know a decent amount of cap space yeah and the other thing is to point out as well is the real issue this season okay the offense regressed in certain areas pass protection uh receivers getting hurt the run game died mid-season and kenneth walker hit kind of a rookie wall and then came back again but there's a lack of commitment to it that impacted them uh interior offensive line regressed as well Mm -hmm. but the big problem throughout the year was the defense was horrific horrific particularly against the run yeah Yeah, they found recovery elements and periods where they sort of leaned into a slightly new schematic uh version or basically like a very watered down version of peak Howard's old defense but it was really really bad and we will talk about that 
mm-hmm. with Griffin and Pete Carroll's quotes in our defense season review. But like the de- and we don't, I don't really think the defense was necessarily as much of a talent issue as people want to make out. I think most of it was coaching, bad coaching, bad coaching errors, and miscues, and even stuff which you know goes up to Pete Carroll and, and his decisions at the start of the season, which had really bad knock-on effects, bad ramifications. Uh, but anyway, we, we can deal with that next time. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Like the video, comment, subscribe. Wait, how many of you have liked yeah, the video? You, check on that, tie, And then if you're listening, tell a friend, five-star reviews, subscribe and download the show. We'd really appreciate it. In terms of the plan, we're going to have offense, data, uh, and film review. We're going to have defense, data, and film review for the whole season. We're not going to do special teams because we're not degenerates. Tomorrow, as usual, we'll have the film review from the 49ers game, offense and defense, key topics. Mm-hmm. Then we can get into draft stuff. We can do big-time uh, players that the Seahawks should draft, the big names, even the quarterbacks. We'll, we'll, we'll even the kickers <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh we're not degenerates and uh yeah we have we have uh lots of fun things planned but thanks everyone for joining stick around and uh we appreciate it all right real quick there was well there's now 23 of you but there were 28 of you we only have eight likes so whoa what's going yeah, on That's yeah disgraceful. Tw- 20 of like y'all video. 20 of y'all are tripping well 15 like now video. But... Like the video. Like the video. Like the video. Like the-